Hey, midlifers, welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. Are you ready to break free from your mundane midlife? Are you feeling trapped in a vicious cycle of rinse and repeat days? No matter if you're experiencing a divorce hangover, job burnout, or you just have the midlife blues, I got you. Hey, I'm Wendy, your hostess of the Midlife Mostess. I too was hit by midlife like a freight train. I too felt stuck in the same dull chapter. I wanted the clarity of how to create a new life beyond divorce and the courage to leave an unfulfilling career. But I kept telling myself that I wasn't worthy and it was just easier to stay in my comfort zone until I found a little secret, the freedom to live my life my way. In this podcast, you will learn how to achieve a vibrant midlife mind and body, how to create solid relationships through love and loss, and how to create an awesome second half of life. Grab your grande latte, pop in your earbuds, and let's get this midlife party started. Welcome to the final episode of 2022. Wowza, what a year it has been. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Midlife Makeover Show. It means a lot to me. I appreciate all the support from my listeners, my guests, and all my sponsors. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And most importantly, thank you to my editor, Jack. I could not have done this without you. Thank you. For majority of the past 53 shows, I have posted 90-second video clips on Instagram. I thought it would be cool to squeeze all those video clips together for this final show of 2022. This last show is jam-packed full of some great advice by some great guests. There is just about every topic you can imagine in the next 35 minutes of highlights. Retiring early, reversing the signs of aging, happy divorcing, losing weight, saving for college, empty nesting, grieving for your losses, writing your next chapter, and being bold, brave, and badass in your second half of life. And that's what it's all about, you guys. I promise that you will find plenty of nuggets of midlife wisdom to propel you into the new year. This is the fuel for your rocket ship so you can blast off into 2023. I have some awesome stuff coming up for the next year. So make sure you keep tuning in. The best way to stay updated on new episodes and special offers is by signing up for the Midlife News at, well, yep, themidlifenews.com. I also recommend following me on Instagram at Wendy Valentine, or you can also search for the Midlife Makeover Show because we have a ton of amazing live shows coming up in the next few months. By the way, those live shows will be filmed in the gorgeous and sunny Madeira, Portugal, because I am moving there in 31 days. But who's counting? (laughs) I will also be posting lots of pictures and videos of my travels while I'm in Europe, so you'll definitely want to follow the fun. I cannot wait! And now let's have some fun listening to the 2022 highlights of the Midlife Makeover Show. Enjoy the show. 
any advice for anyone out there that's like, okay, I want to retire early and I want to do what you guys are doing. Any bit of advice for them? Start early. Start early. And you know what? I think one thing that we did that we found really useful is we kind of took a step back. I think we were at the lake one, one weekend and, you know, you get your notepad out and, and start making a plan. Start saying like, what would have to happen for us to do this? We would have to organize ourselves financially. We would have to sell this and this and this and this. Like start start looking at those plans. And, you know, that's how it begins. Because if you don't start at the beginning, then you don't kind of have a direction as to where you're going. So And I don't think it's ever too early to start. That's right. We were able to retire at 50. So people, I mean, this is really important for people in their late 30s or early 40s. If they were happen to come across our channel or hear information like this, it's like a, an eye-opening experience where you start to think, well, that's only 10 years away. That's right. You know, we went on a financial literacy journey because you get so used to in North America, keeping up with the Joneses, buying the latest, yeah. whatever, that you're spending your money and you can, you know, lifestyle creep comes yeah. in. Yeah. You're, the more you make, the more you spend. Yep. You can get a hold of that <laughs> early on and get on top of that yeah. in your early 40s. Before you know it, 10 years, you could be retiring at 50 as well and just living that life of travel and relaxation. Absolutely. Yeah. Good advice. All right. Well, thank you. Which is why we can reverse aging. We can change the direction of the biological clock, even though we can't change the direction of the, of the chronological clock. And so for all of my clients, I test their biological age. It's the number one test that I insist that everybody has. Because like you say, when we talk about age, we all want that number to be different. No matter how much we embrace our age and the decade that we're in, there is this real sense of, I just want that vitality of my youth. Yes, I want the wisdom of my years and I want to retain that. But I just want that vitality of, of my youth. And we remember that. And we always want to be that sense of am I younger than I am? And, you know, when someone asks you how old you are and you say, oh, yeah. guess, you're always wishing they'd say something. <laughs> Please card me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, and why do we do that? Right. We do that because the sense of aging is like it's not an image that we want. It's frailty and it's cancers and it's being ill. Yeah because we just don't like that image so we wish and want to reverse that and now you can reverse aging because you can measure your actual biological age you can put in very strategic lifestyle changes and self-care changes based on all your data yeah and you can watch that clock go back which is exactly what what i've done and it's uh it's great to do that I handle children's issues, custody and visitation, and I do everything within my power and control to keep the kids out of the divorce process. And I counsel my clients to do the same. They don't need to hear what dad said last night at midnight in a text to mom that was so harassing and disturbing. They just don't need to hear it. What, yeah. what children need, especially younger children, is to know that their stability mm-hmm. is going to remain there for them. That mom and dad, as their stable parents, are going to be there for them. And they don't have to worry about what mom and dad are going through. They're not the cause. They didn't do anything wrong. This is just something that mom and dad disagree on, and they're going to yeah. work it out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're still a family. It's just... Absolutely. In, it's... And it, it's evolving into a different 
form, if you will. Absolutely. I, I tell yeah. people that all the time. I say, you know, especially if they have kids, you know, you're always going to be a family. You're always going to be mom and dad. And a divorce is really just transforming a family from looking one way to looking a different way. That's really mm-hmm. it. Yes. Time they are wasting. Yes. With this intense focus on our looks and talking about food and talk. I did it. Talking Mm -hmm. about losing weight. I need to lose weight. I need to do this. I need to do that. I'm going on a, it's. Yeah. Yeah. What's really happening though, is that we are not just wasting time, but as the time that we're wasting, that we're spending doing all this stuff, we're ignoring our true potential. And we don't believe we even have any because we've been so convinced and conditioned to believe that what we look like mm-hmm. is our potential. And that's what I really want to help women see, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, if they're not spending that time and energy and money on the next diet, the current diet, losing weight, da, 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 they could be using that time, energy, and money towards better things. Well, towards, yeah. Like, what are you capable of? We don't even know. know what we're capable of. I know. Not yeah. Do, but, you know, some people are getting closer and trying, but it's like, almost like you have to have that spark of like, do I really have potential? I want women to be like, maybe I do have potential. Yeah. That right. little spark to get them going in a different direction. And then, then we'll all lose weight or not, or who cares? You know, you're going to look better. The better you feel about yourself inside, the better you will look because what is inside of you radiates outwardly. You know, all change comes from within. It really does. So we've got some midlifers that are going to be putting their kids through school and they're trying to prep for their second half of life for their retirement. So how do you balance those two out? Yeah. Possible. <laughs> yeah. That's such a, such a great question. And I think that's something that we really, re, that we really struggle with. Um, I hate that saying, you know, save for retirement because you can take out loans for college. I mean, that's why we have like $1.7 trillion in outstanding student loan debt. I think you have to do both. So I have, I have a couple rules of thumb for how you balance those two, you know, first and foremost, if you're not saving for retirement at all, don't save for college. <laughs> don't pay for college. You know, sorry. Um, that has to be your starting point. You know, you have to have emergency savings. You have to have retirement savings. If you're saving for retirement, but not maxing out your retirement, then I recommend that you contribute no more than 10% of what you're contributing reti- to retirement to college. Okay. So if you're saving $10,000 a year towards retirement, a thousand dollars a year is what you can budget for college. If you want to save more for college, save more for retirement and have those numbers move up hand hand in hand. If you're maxing out retirement, then you have a whole lot more flexibility in terms of savings. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's the saving for college piece. Then comes the paying for college and borrowing for college piece. I think it's so important that parents not take out student, you know, not take out loans for their kids' education that they won't be able to pay off before they retire because carrying... There's a lot of work to be done, if you will, even after you sign those papers, right? Absolutely. And I think so many people focus on the legal divorce. And yeah. it's like, let me tell you something. You sign those those final papers and you have your separation agreement and you haven't done any of that work. You're still married emotionally. You're still thinking about him or her. You're still aggravated. You're still engaging in all that mental chaos and perhaps actual chaos as well because you haven't you haven't healed so that you can move on. And and it's absolutely vital. And in fact, you know, when we look at 
the divorce rate of first marriages. And then you say, well, why is it that second and third marriages, that the divorce rate goes up and not down? Mm -hmm. It's because people think that they're divorcing the problem and then they go out and they meet the same man or woman in a different body, which I think Roy was talking about. Yes, yeah. And then, and you rinse and re repeat, and then you go, why does this keep happening to me? <laughs> As if you had no agency in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the opportunity to do that work so that when you head back into dating or into healthy relationships, you're different. And right. so it's. I could meditate for hours and hours a day while people were struggling with meditation and it was very hard for them and they couldn't steal their mind and they got restless. I was just like, you know, Ooh, I was, oh, oh, and that's when I found my gift. That's when I found my superpower. And I knew this is going to be a part of my life. I didn't know how I was going to use this. I didn't know what I was going to do with this. I just knew that this was soothing. It was, it was, it was me. I found me. And so I just uh, studied for five years with teachers in India. And then when my teacher died, mm -hmm. something just came to me as a clear knowing. It is my time to hand the teachings to other people. Yeah. Because people would always ask me everywhere I went, what, what, what you got? What, what you on? What you smoking? Your energy is amazing. <laughs> I'd be like, I ain't smoking nothing, dude. This is just me. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're like at a whole other different level of happiness right <laughs> exactly and just vibrance right and and that's what uh, he taught me he taught me that you came into this world with nothing you're going to leave with nothing the time between birth and death is unknown so the power of the now is it's important to live live your life live it with all your heart live it with yes. every article in your body live it with your whole being live each day like it would be the last. And that, that, that yeah. awareness deeper sunk into me. Perimenopause is the time period before menopause. And like I said, it can last up to 15 years. And, you know, I think it for many years did not get a lot of attention. And slowly but surely, we are building awareness about the stage of life because so much happens during perimenopause. So many of us experience hormone shifts hormone imbalances that result in emotional changes that result in physical symptoms that are pretty challenging. So for me, you know, one day I was just really you know, going along with my life. I was at the top of my career. I was happily married. I had two teenagers who drove me crazy, but like for the most part, life was great. Yeah. And literally it was like the next day I was anxious and depressed. I gained 20 pounds almost overnight. I'm, I'm literally not kidding. It was insane. Wow. And I went to my business partners and to my husband and I said, listen, I am not sure I can continue working. I am so debilitated right now with these symptoms. And I actually didn't know what was going on. I, I really had no idea what was going on. And I said, I think I'm going to have to retire. You know, and this was, I was like 45. So this is like five years ago. Um, so and it was because I had no idea that this thing called perimenopause existed. And it's really why I wrote this guide. I wrote the guide that I wish someone had given me when yeah. I entered into the stage of life. Not defined by your divorce, but it changes you forever. Yes. And you never forget that journey, all the vulnerabilities, you know, the days that you were curled up in a ball and, you know, having yeah. deep, dark thoughts and just not knowing how you could move forward to life beyond when it gets really magical and great. 
And so we, there's just this sense of, you know, desire to inspire and lift up other women going through the same experience. And so that's why I do it. You know, I just love, and the thing is, I also really could not stand the fact that when I was going through it, I had to sit in isolation for so long because so much of what we do in our relationships is in confidence. And we can't talk about the really tough stuff because there's so much shame, you know, around the word divorce. Even now, as I have my book out, a lot of people won't purchase it because, you know, it might put their partners off or it might send a message, a a dirty message to their friends and family. And then further to that, when I was going through that guilt and blame and shame and going, oh my gosh, am I going to ruin my kids or coming from a broken home? And I was like, what? This is crazy, actually crazy. I cannot stand for it. So I just really need to make this effort right now. I want to make this effort right now to to just change the negative stigma around divorce. Coin is called functional sobriety. It's how we take these kind of root causes of why we might drink. Is it an imbalance in our brain that maybe we have uh, a tendency to desire more dopamine, which is that uh, brain neurotransmitter that we get from drinking? Right. Is it perhaps something going on in the gut microbiome that is causing us to crave alcohol or crave sweets? And in a similar vein, is there something going on with our hormones or our blood sugar that when we have essentially a low blood sugar scenario, when we get hangry, when we haven't ate in a while, that's the point where people actually start to crave alcohol and not just food. And so by addressing some of those real, really the deeper reasons why someone might be drinking, we can start to support them again by changing the way that they're eating. Right, right. So... So it was nice. You were kind of like our little, our little guinea pig for this whole thing. So as you, as you became sober, what are some of the things that you started to apply in your own life? Yeah. So there are some really simple practices and we definitely talked about these two on the podcast, Wendy. So if anyone has listened to the podcast, these might sound familiar to you, but one of the very common things that I first tell people to do is, as I mentioned, blood sugar plays a really important role. And so essentially it is not letting yourself get to that point where you're extremely hungry, where you are. You can prevent waiting for your nest to completely empty to discover a hobby, an interest, something just for you. Even if it's just hiking, you know, for an hour a day, whatever it is for you, do it. Mm -hmm. It can then grow as more space opens up, you can invest more time in it. That's what I was excited about. Right, right. I think that's why when my kids did eventually leave, yes, I missed them. Yes, mm-hmm. in the house um, at the time when we're going to talk about this. At the time, I had my little dog Maggie. My co- yes, she was still here, so I still had the dog. Um, and I was able to be excited for them, and I was able to be excited for myself and right. connect to. I say there's three people you get to reconnect with, right? And deepen your connections with it during empty nest, yourself, your partner, and your children as adults. Yes. Yes. I love, I love my kids being adults and, you know, empty nest. And it's so different now. I love it. I love, I mean, they are way more mature than I am. (laughs) Right. You might be a little suspicious. Mm -hmm. You might've even put a wall around your heart, right? A wall will keep you safe, but it will Mm -hmm. keep you single. Right. People can't get in to hurt you, but they can't get in to love you either. Yeah. Right. 
These are natural things that we do. We don't want to be hurt again. If we've been lied to and cheated, it's almost impossible unless you do some work on it Mm -hmm. to not bring that with you. Right. Right. So I often say we end up getting in these relationships that are like the menage a trois from hell. (laughs) Right. It's, it's me and it's you and my past. And the three of us are in this relationship. Right. And that, that just poisons it. It's projection. Right. I'm going to be fearful that you're going to do to me what my ex did. Mm -hmm. And it it just mucks up the waters. It's just because you don't have a clean emotional slate. You're not, you're not able, actually, if if I met you, I'm not able to meet you and Mm -hmm. be with you. I'm seeing you through the lens of my past. Yeah. I'm projecting onto you. When I went through depression and divorce and the death of my brother, like, I mean, obviously I was at my lowest of low and I wanted, I wanted, I just wanted Wendy back, but mm-hmm. I didn't want the old Wendy. I wanted, <laughs> and I literally typed out, I wanted version 2.0. That's Seriously. what I wanted. I wanted the new Wendy. And, and for everybody out there, it's all possible. You're not stuck with anything. And actually you're the one that's in charge of being unstuck, right? I mean, we're the ones that stand in our way. I stand in my own way. You stand in your way. We all do it. I mean, it's all natural. You know, I think when you're in that 1.0 place in the moment, you know, not that we always all live there because, you know, you can go like this, right? Depending on the day. But I think what happens is we don't know what it even feels like to be Mm -hmm. the 2.0 sometimes. And so where hypnotherapy is great or any kind of healing work and especially like energy shifting is to get the downloads or the, the, the being open to receiving, what does it feel like to be abundant? Right. Allow yourself to feel that, get that download, allow that in because when your body and your mind accepts (laughs) what joy and abundance and love feels like, Right. You, you, you got it. You feel it. You got it. But a yes. lot of times you've been living it. If I wanted to lose weight, I couldn't keep going and getting handful of handful after chocolate, but I had to figure out why was I doing that in the first place? It's not enough to just cut out the food. You right. have to figure out what are the emotional rewards I'm craving mm-hmm. because I still crave them. I still needed to feel like it was me time. I still needed to take care of myself, but I have a fundamental belief that any time that you're doing things that are actually taking you away from your goal, that that's self-harm. And we just, Mm. I was pretending it was self-love, chocolate, Mm. wine, but no, no, it was self-harm. Yeah. And I was, I was stuck in it. I was stuck in a self-sabotage cycle and I see it so clearly now. And that's why I can teach it when you spot it. You know, if you can, if you've got it, you can spot it. Like, like, ding, like ding, ding. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, so, I see you. I see you. I understand. Yeah. So, and I know self-sabotage is like, like it's the word has been thrown around quite a bit, you know, in the last few years, there's a lot of the self-help that's come along with self-sabotage. So what is self-sabotage? What does it exactly mean? Yeah. So the actual definition of sabotage is the act of destroying or damaging something deliberately so that it does not work correctly. Put Mm. in the word self there, you are deliberately destroying your life, your health, yourself, so that you do not function properly. You are living at the opposite of your best. And then you wonder what's wrong with you. Yeah. Welcome, Dr. L. Carol Scott, to the Midlife Makeover Show. We are so happy you are here. Oh my gosh. 
Tell us a little bit about what you do and why you do it. Hi, Wendy. I am delighted to be here. Um, I like to help people get along better on the adult playgrounds where they play now. But I use tools from when they were little and playing on the little playgrounds with little kids and really playing. But that's how we learn all of our social and emotional patterns for good relationships or not. Um, Are all of our uh, maladaptive and manipulative patterns for relationships grow there too? So I like to help people sort that out and Mm. become an adult that everyone is delighted to have as a friend, as a coworker, as a sibling, um, to become people who, for whom relationship isn't just a thing we do, but it's like the only thing that we think is important. Everyone out there, what functional medicine is, and it is awesome. It is like, yeah. Yeah. So one way you can describe functional medicine, you could say lifestyle medicine. So Mm -hmm. your lifestyle, your nutrition, your movement, your stress reduction as medicine instead of Mm -hmm. the other great way to describe it is it's going after the fire in the kitchen instead of just turning off the fire alarm. So say that symptoms are fire alarms, you know, exhaustion, being tired, eczema or psoriasis, acne on your skin. Those are not the issue. Those are fire alarms. And so what oftentimes in traditional medicine, which we're huge fans of Western medicine, we believe in it, it is important, right? It is very symptom management based. So Western medicine typically goes in and they turn off the fire alarm. And meanwhile, the kitchen is burning down. So medicine is root cause medicine. And we say, okay, instead of turning off the fire alarm, let's go find out where the fire is and put that out. And then all your symptoms go away. Naturally. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like our bodies are so incredibly intelligent as we know, and our bodies, we're like screaming at us, trying to tell us what's wrong. And we're like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm going to take this pill or I'll put this bandaid on. I'll do this, do that. And not really, really looking at what's happening deep below the surface. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a good way to put it about the fire though. I love that. Like 55% of Americans. I also went through a divorce. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, a quote that got me through those very, very challenging times was that sometimes you have to give up the life you've been working so hard for, for the one that's waiting for you. Oh, I just read that quote the other day in a book. It was like the very first quote. In the, that's awesome. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. In that book, yes. um, because I realized I was married to a, a, a very good person, um, but we both outgrew each other. We met in, in a, at a young age and um, and I realized that we would both need to implement one of the biggest decisions in our life to follow our inner joy. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think when you do follow your joy and you listen to yourself and go with that gut intuitive feeling, uh, good things will follow. Right. Um, but on a financial stance, uh, you know, most people going through a divorce um, is definitely a setback. It's, uh, you know, a 401k becomes a 201k overnight. Yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, it's time to, to rebuild. Um, but for those who are going through or have been through a divorce, uh, I think it's about getting guidance. I mean, Tiger Woods was the best golfer in the world and he had two coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's about getting some financial guidance and getting some referrals to people who 
are more, um, as much as they need to be very good at numbers, I think it's more important to be in the business. Money mindset is so important because we need to know what our money mindset is. And what that means is what is your money story? Like what Mm -hmm. did you learn growing up? What did you hear all the time from your parents or whoever raised you, you know, was it, you know, money's difficult or greedy people are bad or, you know, what, what is it? Because whatever you heard and were taught, that is your money mindset. Mm -hmm. For example, mine was marry someone with a lot of money. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was what I was basically taught. Um, It's okay if you work, but you work. Look at you now. Yeah. It's great. I like, <laughs> you flipped that one upside down. I flipped it over, but not yeah. until I was in my 50s. Yeah. I was so stuck in that mindset for so long that he was supposed to be doing that and he was supposed to be giving me that. I just yeah. really, I think financial independence for women is so unbelievably important. And that's one of my messages um, that I really, it's its a passion I have. And it's a message that I want to get out to as many women as possible to stand on your own feet and create your own financial independence so that you can yeah. truly live the life. You don't have to go to live in the past, of course, but to go back to the past, you learn so much about who you are in the present moment so you can actually evolve and progress in your future. Exactly. 100%. You get to witness from afar all of your accomplishments, whether it is Mm -hmm. getting over a relationship or making a decision in a shift or the loss of a parent or whatever the case Mm -hmm. may be, you actually get to witness it and have this compassion for yourself and, and, and this, you know, this sense of security that you're like, wait a minute. Yes. Right. This is something I can do. This is what I've done. And now I'm ready to not make define my story, but it is Mm -hmm. part of my story. And it's where I'm now moving on to, like you mentioned before, the next chapter of my life and, and recreate. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like sometimes, I, at least for me, I had to, when I hit midlife, I had to basically deconstruct. I had to like tear everything down. Yeah. Not, com- you know, completely, but so I could reconstruct, so I could rebuild yeah. and, and do it in a more conscious, deliberate, intentional way. This pill, it interrupts the reward center in the brain and it just makes alcohol a little less exciting. It doesn't make you mm-hmm. sick. It doesn't make it, you know, an, a dis, an unpleasurable experience. It doesn't do anything like that. What it does is just, a lot of people describe it, they get an off switch with it where they didn't have one before where, you know, they're drinking and maybe they have a few drinks and then they're kind of like, I don't want any more. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want any more drinks. And this is a long-term protocol. It's not like an overnight thing where like the first time you take the medication, it's it's changed. Uh, but over time, what happens for people is, yeah, like I said, it just gives them that off switch. And so they regain control over alcohol. And a result of that too is, you know, uh, oftentimes when people drink, it's because they're craving alcohol. They just have this mental preoccupation or desire for it. And so through this protocol, the cravings for alcohol 
uh, gradually disappear and get to a place where people no longer experience craving. They can have alcohol-free days much easier. Um, a lot of people have a goal on this treatment to just moderate their drinking and get to a more balanced relationship with alcohol. And through this treatment, they can do that. And others wind up um, going sober with much greater ease because your your brain gets restored and it truly gets restored back to the state it was in before you had alcohol use disorder. So um, if someone wants to quit drinking through this approach, it just becomes so much easier to do because um, you're not craving alcohol anymore. Your brain isn't wired to crave alcohol anymore. And then others, they can drink with control and in moderation on those occasions, like a wedding or a Friday night or whatever, yeah. like their ideal relationship with alcohol is. And I look at my own life and I'm, people think that I'm fearless. You're, you're never going to be without fear. We're human beings. We're wired to have fear. So that in case there's a tiger coming, we can, oh my God, you know, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Fear, 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 is, fear is a really yeah. important uh, trigger for us. Yeah. And, and we, shouldn't, we shouldn't try to get rid of fear because right. we'll get squashed. I, know, right. I, I agree. I agree. Right. I mean, we need fear. We need fear because you were talking about when you were saying courage, that's actually what came to my mind. It's like the mm -hmm. flip side, the other side of that courage coin is fear. Yes. And so it's, it's, to me, it's not that they lack the courage. To me, it's that they're letting the fear run the yes. show. Yeah. And so what I do with fear is I acknowledge her. Yeah. She rides shotgun next mm -hmm. to me all the time. I just have her mouth duct taped so that yeah. she's just not so loud, <laughs> you know? And once again, and, I, and it's because I have thought about what that, what am I trying to strive towards? If it's right. living in another country or if it's starting a business, whatever that is, once I make that decision, and I know that that decision isn't going to kill me, that I'm not right. putting my head into the mouth of a lion, <laughs> then I let the fear sit there and yeah. I acknowledge it. And I'm like, okay, we're just mm -hmm. doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. It says, if you point one finger at the other person, how many fingers are you pointing at yourself, right? So everything that I ever blamed my ex-husband for, okay, he has anger issues or he hasn't done enough healing of his childhood or, mm. you know, he's whatever. And whatever he said about me, it's actually about him. Mm -hmm. So it's actually, it's really funny because I remember like one week after we decided to have a divorce, I came to this river and I literally did the exercise of writing down everything that ever pissed me off about my ex. <laughs> and then I just deleted all the he and put I. Mm. And so that is a very radical way of taking responsibility, you know, it's, it's to recognize whatever anger issue that is in him is in me, whatever mm. unhealed father wound that he has is in me. And so by doing this process over and over again, each time we're actually purifying and then eventually we get to the state that we literally don't get triggered anymore. Or when we do. Ambiguous grief is the loss of a loved one who is still living, mm -hmm. though not as they once were. Mm. And in that research, I found, oh my goodness, there are so many people experiencing this and divorce. Uh, yeah. 
is just one of many different activating events that can trigger this grieving process for people. And so why um, I do what I do, I've written a book. It's called Soul Broken, a guidebook mm. for your journey through ambiguous grief. And it's out October 11th. And I wrote the book because it's the book I needed all of yeah. those years ago. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find anybody to talk to me about it right. and um, kind of help me through. So my hope is that this book uh, is able to help others. And, and my website, which has some resources on it, will help others who are going, going through this mm-hmm. and not knowing there's a name for it. Yeah. And that's so, wow, it's great that you're doing what you're doing. So besides, so there's divorce, I would think mm-hmm. even Alzheimer's. Absolutely. Cognitive decline is huge. And what I did, you know, I started writing about my own experiencing my own experience and published some articles online. And then people started coming to reach out to me to say, I didn't know there was a name for this. Right. I have I'm grieving the loss of my mother to Alzheimer's or my son to addiction, um, Mm -hmm. my child to incarceration or, you know, my partner to all the women that we work with. um, They are on their own. Their mm-hmm. husband has either passed away or they've gone through a divorce. And eight out of 10 women at some point in their life, we are going to be on our own, making our own financial decisions without a partner. Yes. And those odds, 80% odds of, of having to essentially be that sole financial decision maker, make it imperative of, you know, we need to learn this stuff. We need to learn right. this stuff. And, and like I said, with my grandmother, it's not a, a nice to know. It really is a, a, a need to know. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And at what point do you feel that it's the best time to reach out to somebody like you for help? Great question. Um, you know, so we, we are a little unique in that um, we're certified financial advisors. So we, we do your, your typical uh, work with someone where we create that financial plan, that roadmap out to age 95. And it's essentially a crystal ball into your financial future and gives you a recipe of every year what we need to be doing and what we need to achieve. And then we map that onto an investment portfolio to make sure that portfolio is creating the income and the, the growth that you need. Um, but the other superpower we have is uh, actually as certified divorce financial analysts. Mm. And in that role, we work with women who are thinking about and going through divorce. And I claimed my age, and this is really important for everyone to know. I didn't always go, oh, it's so great to be 47. It was always so great to be 50. It took till I was 51 to go, I just don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> I don't, we can't fight it. Yeah. We can't fight getting old. We're all getting old, right? right? But embrace it. So it's just a number. Right. And so when I got to that, and so if you take it away and you claim it, no one has any power over you. So it's, I'm fucking one. And let's look at, watch what I'm going to do. Because anything I'm going to do, you can do. Right. And that's my big theory mission. It's my reason for being is anything I'm doing, you can do. And I'm teaching women how to do it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. And you know what, too? It's like, I've always, I've always thought very young. I always felt like no matter if I'm 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, I always, I feel very young. I think young. And the way I look at it too, it's like, obviously we're all not going to be here one day. So if we're all not going to be here one day, then yeah, who gives a what it is that you do? Like, then why not go for it? Did this podcast inspire you, challenge you, trigger you to make a change or spit out your coffee laughing? Good. Then there are three ways you can thank me. Number one, 
You can leave a written review of this podcast on Apple iTunes. Number two, you can take a screenshot of the episode and share it on the social media and tag me, Wendy Valentine. Number three, share it with another midlifer that needs a makeover. You know who I'm talking about. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Get out there and be bold, be free, be you.